All right, I'll take a sip of tea for my voice and, uh, and then off we go. This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to the one-year anniversary special of Hitting the Mark. When I started this, it was just a little idea that came out of a coffee chat with Melinda Livesey, where she told me that I absolutely have to create a podcast. And since listening is a key part of building a brand, I did listen to Melinda that afternoon, and a few months later launched the first episode of Hitting the Mark. I crafted the theme music with my dear friend Scott Allen under the Happiness One moniker, and then I went out to find guests to hop onto a podcast that did not even exist yet. I was selling a dream, like so many entrepreneurs on hitting the mark had to do in the beginning. So I do want to thank the courageous few that made that leap of faith with me. Raja Nemani, my first guest, who was the co-founder and CEO of Bucketfeed, a brand I cited in my book, Bigger Than This. So it was a very special way to kick things off. And Ginger Price and Matt Jamie, both of whom I recruited while mentoring at the How I Built This Summit with Guy Ross. And an amazing guest who agreed to be on the show despite being in the midst of his book launch, yet we could not air his segment due to technical difficulties. Brian Scudamore of 1-800-GUT-CHUNK, whose session you can now read on my blog at newbrandpost.com. It's been so gratifying. And there are 782 minutes of combined insights and inspiring journeys we could have used for this recap of the first 23 guests. But instead, and very much in sync with the format of hitting the mark, we cut it down and cut it down and once again cut it down and we'll focus only on five key areas. Brands challenging the norm. The importance of people, of your tribe, your culture. Investors' viewpoints on brand thinking. Brand DNA, your brand in one word. And to finish it off, not to be missed advice from these successful entrepreneurs that we needed to bring back up front and center. With that being said, let's hear from brands challenging the norm. Authenticity is a common thread. All of these founders have a strong opinion. And the courage and determination to actually risk it all, to go against the grain and to leave a mark. It's even beyond the skull. You know, the fact that a brand is called liquid death, you know, when someone tries to think about, okay, maybe I could imagine a skull making its way through a corporate boardroom into a real product, but nobody believes that liquid death has made its way through a corporate boardroom into a real product. Now you're, you're right. If it gets to a certain point where liquid death just becomes this huge thing, of course, all the big guys, you know, are going to be looking to kind of cash in or make it a part of it. But I think one thing I've realized with Liquid Death since the beginning is we're always up against the fact that people think this isn't going to be the real deal, right? So when I first came up with the idea, 
all right, I want to make a water brand that looks like beer because, you know, I want the healthiest thing you could possibly drink, which is water. And most people don't drink enough of it. It's become this like utilitarian thing where it's like, okay, I drink water if I'm at the, at the gym. Maybe I drink it in my cubicle sometimes. But it would never be common for someone to be like, oh, what do you drink when you go to the bar? Oh, I drink bottled water. No, it doesn't happen. Or what do you do at a, what do you drink at a party? Oh, I drink bottled water. It, it just, it's become a utilitarian thing. And it, it, it hasn't from a brand and, you know, uh, occasion standpoint been accepted in this wide range of other usage occasions like soda is, or like beer is, or like alcohol is. I think what, what we're really hoping to do is to, to change when people drink this thing. And, you know, like we know in bars, most people you're in bars to kind of meet people or interact with people. So, there's data showing that the reason people walk around with a Guinness versus a Pabst Blue Ribbon versus some other kind of beer, they're trying to signal something about themselves in a social environment. You know, they want something that's a conversation starter. They want to talk to people. And Liquid Death has been doing really well in bars and things like that because people are, you know, it, it's a complete conversation piece. You know, people see this like, what, what is that? Wait, that's water? What do you mean that's water? You know, it just kind of creates a conversation and, and people are attracted to that. Yeah. And, and a real quick plug for our own services is that that legal locker is what you're referring to. It's something that we give to all of our clients that it houses all of their legal documentation. And it does have a big banner that says lawyer shit at the top. And, you know, I think um, I will get around to answering your question, but the lawyer shit thing is so interesting because, um, you know, it was one of those things where we went back and forth throughout the branding process. And I think, you know, there comes a point where you have to make a decision and you touched on a little bit in the intro, but you have to make a decision on whether or not you are going to go for it and whether or not you are going to be bold because you can continue to sort of toe the line and, and the status quo is always going to be a very non-offensive, very non-bold, not, it doesn't jump out at you type of website for a law firm and for lawyers. And I think that, you know, that serves the purpose by and large um, for, for what lawyers mostly need. And frankly, I, I want to also recognize and, and acknowledge that as a transactional corporate attorney that helps artists and nonprofits and businesses and startups that we're in a unique sort of field because if we were criminal law or family law, you know, we can't have a fun website to the degree that we can with the work that we do. And, you know, the other funny thing about the lawyership piece is that uh, I've had conversations with other attorneys that are more of the traditional approach to the brand and to the style of the practice of law. And uh, they've told me flat out that that other lawyers have seen that and, you know, we're known as the lawyer shit guys and that it's totally unprofessional and inappropriate. And so I think that I had two reactions when I heard that. One is, oh, I kind of wondered what some of the bigger law firms thought of this. And two, I don't really give a shit if they don't like it. That it's, was crazy. But, but, but it's not that, crazy. It's not crazy. See, to me, Charles, this is, this is good. I mean crazy, crazy and radical. It's radically different. And right. I love that. And my point is, is being radically different in a social, generous way, in an inside-out way for the community and through your people in the community, it's never been a better time to air there. So by having this intent to grow, give more, having the intent to be able to give more as we grow, and to have the intent to be generous, it really pays off today because it keeps people in your company and it keeps people so much more productive because if you're authentic in the moment 
And if you have that cause that's tied to your brand and you're practicing talking about it in the front of your company and you have a brand holder in your company, which it's it's more convenient if it's the founder CEO, but but it can be your director of cause. It can be it can be somebody else in your company. But if you have this today, you have such an advantage in business. Last year, we gave more away than we put in the bank. Is that responsible? Mm-hmm. I think yes. Do I need to look at it and make sure that you know we have a trajectory that fits? Yes. There's always you know running the right balance, but the balance has shifted, and it's a time today. Whatever your spend is on your people, you're on top of spend for HR and your people and the community, all that together. It's got to drastically increase. If it was already high, it probably needs to double. If it was low, it might need to go ten times. That's a scary number, but if you can keep your people. In the new world, it's all about being empathetic and being adaptive and being a critical thinker and being a high, having high emotional intelligence. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got a number of laughs, and my friends and family thought it was you know somewhat comical, given they didn't quite appreciate you know what I was trying to do in terms of really humanizing a company and lifting up the lowest wage workers in this country, and hopefully being a case study for a business that can succeed that does good in this world and is a case study for other restaurant and retail companies to follow in terms of being able to have some of the best unit or store or shop level economics while also paying a living wage, developing your people from within and really being a champion of democratizing the business at every single level. The food service industry in America alone employs 10% of America's workforce. So you think about the impact that we could make as a company in an industry that employs 10% of the workforce in America, if we could flip on its head this very notion of what it means to be an employer and find some success in doing so. So that's what led me to Ann Pizza. I started it in 2000. Well, really concepted it in 2010, 2011, opened the first pizza shop in 2012, and we're going to open up our 36th pizza shop. Uh, in New York City, on Wall Street, our third in New York City, in about two weeks here. You know, I said, look, here's the sticky marketing idea. Let's turn them into fundraisers and let's have people ask for their age in dollars or pounds or, or euros. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried this by doing my 32nd birthday. And I said, hey, if you've got $32, please donate $32 for my 32nd birthday. 100% of the money will go help people get clean water and we'll prove exactly where every dollar goes. And to my surprise, uh, my goal was $32,000, which was ambitious, but this idea spread and I wound up raising $59,000. And then a seven-year-old kid in Texas took the idea and he said, I'm turning seven and I want $7 donations for my birthday. Mm. And he started knocking on doors, telling the story, talking about water, wound up raising $22,000, seven-year-old kid. We had 89-year-olds donate their birthday. Uh, asking for $89. And it was a kind of beautiful, multi-layered idea because so many kids in, in around the world are dying before they reach their fifth birthday because they've had dirty water. And, you know, we realized that as we donated our birthdays, people could actually have more birthdays. They could live longer. They could live healthier. Uh, they could thrive with clean water. And, and our friends don't want to get us crap anyway. You know, we don't want to get our friends, you know, an iTunes gift card or a wallet or a handbag. (laughs) 
Especially you know, the a iTunes scarf <laughs> or socks or, or, or whatever, right? Right, right, right. So, right. so people would much rather give to a cause that you care about. So yeah. this movement has helped us now get um, over 2 million people clean water around the world. Uh, over 100,000 people have donated their birthdays. They've raised over $70 million. Um, and in fact, if anyone is just interested in learning more, you could just go to charitywater.org slash birthdays. Um, even if your birthday is thirteen, you know, is is um, thirteen days from now or eleven months from now, you can learn more. You can pledge, and we make it so easy. Um, I've done eight birthdays now. Uh, my son did his first birthday uh, when he was one, and and people just love it, mm. uh, and they love being able to see the impact of of seeing something that was really focused on us turned to help others. It's a great so initiative. Debesh Mode yeah. donated their birthdays. Will Smith donated his birthday. Kristen Bell donated her birthday. Tony Hawk, um, the founders of Twitter and Spotify and people at Apple. Uh, it's been an amazing just everyday people, uh, kids donating their birthdays to you know to huge uh, executives, and it's it's helped us raise a lot of awareness and raise a lot of money. Branding is about community. Period. Your internal community, the culture you create, and the tribe that shares your values and buys into your brand. No better moment to thank Everett Barton, who not only edited this episode for us, but is editing every single episode of Hitting the Mark and is producing our Instagram stories surrounding the show. And he is an absolute pleasure to be around and to work with. So thank you, Everett. I have to give you a salary increase. Oh, Everett, can you cut that part out, please? I also make a point to celebrate and to promote and to give credit to the amazing team and to encourage them to create content on our channel and feel free to say what they think as well. The future is a place that doesn't have to be defined by a singular voice. And so we do that to actively promote other people and to put them up on a pedestal and share the spotlight. And I think that's fantastic. That's how we're going to grow. And it's important too, because here's the thing. Everybody needs the avatar to jump into your story, into your brand. I would recommend everyone to have a co-founder, but to be able to do it with my twin sister is amazing because we can 100% trust each other anytime, even if we might disagree or we would fall out. We wouldn't really fall out for more than half an hour and then we have to make up again. <laughs> When we think of journey, we think of journey as a supportive, inclusive community, both online and off, actually. Yeah, I mean, one of the key elements to Parlor is the community that exists around it, uh, which is largely based off our clients, but um, but also just sort of people who are passionate about the sport, who, who are involved. And um, we took a page out of Grain Surfboard's playbook. Uh, and, you know, we know the owners up there pretty well. It's a handmade wooden surfboard company in Maine where they, they offer a class and they kind of urged us into it. And, and we resisted for a while because we didn't really know how we do it. Uh, and then we, we had a group, a small group of people who really hounded us and wanted to come build skis. And so we let them do it and, uh, and came up with a system and a program. And they had such an amazing experience that we decided to roll it out as a product. So it was really driven by, you know, our clients and, and communities desire to delve deeper and to understand how skis to go together um, and create that sense of ownership and pride in that, uh, that allowed us to, uh, to develop that product. And so having the community allows you to have your individual experience while being a part of a group that can support you and hold you uh, 
when needed and share in your in your victories as well but the moment i look back on was when we did have a single pizza shop and you know one of our employees whom we call tribe members mainly we called them tribe members because it's this notion that's a group of people connected to each other connected to uh, leadership but ultimately connected to you know higher purpose um, and our purpose obviously is is you know our symbol our ampersand all about promoting unity but uh, when, when one of our tribe members came to me and he asked me if he could get you know the symbol the ampersand tattooed on him and i was a little taken aback because it wasn't something i i have you know tattoos myself and it's you know we're very much in a tattoo forward culture uh but it, it was taken aback because i never thought that a human being would want this brand symbol tattooed on them and so i asked the question like why and the answer was this is the first company where i truly feel comfortable in my own skin I feel appreciated. I feel supported. I feel respected. I feel like I'm part of a family. I'm part of a group of people that is like-minded, that has very similar values. And I've never gotten that from a place of work. That's why I want to get this symbol tattooed. So I put my arm around his back and I said, let's go. I'm paying for it. And it became one of those things that has helped define the culture, not because we want people to have you know, this and- uh, tattooed on them so they can walk around helping market or promote the company. Cause quite frankly, the symbol is a very generic symbol. Ampersand has been around for a long time. At one point it was the I think, 27th letter of the alphabet. Um, so it's, it's been there. The interesting thing here was no, it was really about a definition of why the company is special, why our values matter. And even if, if you don't work at Ann pizza a year after getting the tattoo, it's what it meant, what we are trying to do and the impact that we're trying to make in this world. So we've had literally hundreds and hundreds of, of tribe members get tattooed at any given point, about 20% of the workforce has this <laughs> brand logo tattooed on them. And I look at that as something that's very humbling and incredibly um, fulfilling because it is the definition of getting people together and getting people that have similar values that believe in the same things and really mobilizing them to do some good like that. That's what that means. People care about the mission. They care about our values. Much of the startup ecosystem would not function without having the men and women who buy into your dream, often before it is even a reality. Investors that believe your story and trust that your idea will turn into a brand. But it's about mitigating risk, about saving upfront costs and being nimble. How do investors see branding and is it being valued and celebrated by them? As an investor, what I want to do is uh, mitigate risk. Right. And so for certainly with any B2C uh, company, uh, creating a brand that customers will resonate with is an essential part of that process. And if, if the company's vision, theme, culture, and brand aren't all aligned, uh, you end up in, with dissonance and uh, it, very poor customer pickup. So it really is essential that you, you put all of those things together on, on a branded basis in order to capture uh, the customers. Branding has to be authentic. You know, we like brands where founders are very much value oriented and, you know, values from 
their own ethos as as individual entrepreneurs, but we like brands that have a mission, for example. I'll give you a quick story just to illustrate that um, and, and a challenge that a brand has. So one of the brands that we invested in is called Pacha Soap. And Pacha Soap is a handmade soap. It's it's made in, in their own facility in Hastings, Nebraska. Wonderful, wonderful people, Abby and and Andrew, who are now married, but at the time they were just the two entrepreneurs, and they ended up getting married. And um, you know, the mission-based company—they give back millions of dollars to where they source their essential oils and so forth in Africa, and they teach people, indigenous people in Burundi in particular, how to make soap and how to start businesses around soap. So it's a little different than a Tom's shoes, mm-hmm. where they're instead of just giving away soap, they're actually teaching them how to create new businesses around soap. And they also dig water wells and so forth. So they have incredible passion about the mission. But you know, you probably have never heard of Pacha soap, but I, I guarantee you've seen it before. If you ever if you've ever been in a Whole Foods. Yep. And you see that beautiful. I, th- I think colorful, I've seen it, yep. Yeah, that that's that's Pacha soap. So they have a great product with incredible distribution, but people don't know their brand and people don't know their mission. And once people understand their mission and know what the brand is due to that mission through a branding process, I think they're going to be even more successful than they already are. And what we didn't know at the time was where this would go. And so uh, back in 2007, 2008, when I started this, really it was very hard to get anybody to pay attention to what we were doing. The, the markets had collapsed. Uh, nobody really wanted to take uh, any venture capital investments, let alone vegan food. Good Lord, nobody thought that there was anything to do there. Um, and so to have this culminate from that, um, which was really kind of, grabbing at straws, hoping something something could evolve into, into a disruptive technology to an IPO that then just outperformed everyone's expectations. Um, and I got to tell you, that was only one of three amazing things that happened yesterday. I can't talk too much about the other three, uh, but I can just tell you that the world has completely shifted uh, from the days of J Green Foods uh, to what is now Beyond Meats IPO and the fact that virtually every major strategic uh, uh, food conglomerate out there is paying, sitting up and paying really big attention to this space. And I have to say, I'm delighted that I happen to have stuck it out this long. (laughs) At the end of my latest book, Bigger Than This, I discussed the idea that the answer to the question why, the question and what else besides our offering is in our DNA, the end question mark DNA, that the answer of that will turn into your brand DNA. Yes, the end DNA turning into the brand DNA is a nice play on words, but it is much, much more. I since made this exercise the final one, the pinnacle of my brand intensives with my clients. When we understand the brand so well that we can actually sum it up in one word. It's not an easy thing to do at all. So I always give my guests a heads up that this question will come their way so they can spend some time thinking about it. Here are their answers in a spitfire edit. Okay, ready, go. No, I thought about this. So I was like, how do you distill our company down to one word? I think it's empowerment. I think it's efficiency. Wanderlust. Regeneration. 
I would say it's human connection. Fulfillment and impact. I- empowered. I think it's belonging. In- inspired. It is mischief. Yeah, it's a word I've used a few times today, which is, it would be unity. I mean, I was going to go with positive, but I think everyone uses positive and positivity right now. But I think the bigger one is is regeneration. A big mm. reason I got out of the consulting world and, and got into the private sector with, with this, my own private business with my, my partners was because I wasn't seeing enough change. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are trying to inspire people. We are inspired by the stories of courage and heroism. We're inspired by our local partners. We're inspired by our volunteers. Hmm. We're inspired by the beneficiaries out there, the women that are walking for water, that are providing for their families uh, under dire circumstances. We're inspired by our donors. We're inspired by our team members that we get to work with. So it's uh, it, it's my favorite word for the brand, um, and, and hopefully we're able to continue inspiring others. If you if, if you look at what happens, you know, we, 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 we come alone, we go alone, but we have the 60, 70, if you're lucky, 80 years in between to overcome this, this illusion of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And the classical music has this power to really connect you with other people. You don't need to touch them. You don't need to... To look at them, you close your eyes, but you feel connected with other people. I think every person who uses it feels empowered. Every woman that works for us is truly empowered. I mean, our entire team is built up of women um, and they run. They are the heart and soul of our brand. Um, And it's not by design. Um, So we cater to a female consumer and we only have females working for us, which is, it's a beautiful thing. If, if there was a secondary one, I, I'm, you actually uh, made me think of something. I, I think it would be something like trust um, because really that, that is what uh, is allowing us to build this business so quickly um, is having these big, big companies that have done things for so long in such a different way, um, trust to try something new, which, which can be scary for a lot of people. A powerful word. If you take the time and derive it and start owning it, your brand DNA. Very much like the true north of a brand, this can turn into the guiding light. Now, back-to-back advice from many of our guests on how you craft the brand, what matters, and how not to screw up majestically as a first-time founder. Because as we know, chances of doing so are pretty high. Let's hear it from the ones who made the mistakes for us. Yeah, and, and I'll try to be concise taking my own advice here. Um, I, I think it's simplified. So, so spend a lot of time and think very hard about your company's reason for being and then be absolutely maniacal about bringing that to life. And that's it. And, yeah. and that will take you a very, very far way. So I think the, the right way to do this, as, as you've talked about, is to get the culture right bring in a brand strategist to help to highlight what's great about your your, co- your culture, right? Because a lot of times when we're inside the bubble, when we're inside the bottle, we can't read the label. Once you establish it, and it's so difficult to establish a brand, um, you've got to protect it. Um, I would not, I think I would hold it in higher regard, um, well, at least as in high regard as equity as I would uh, my brand. It's It's really important to pick a brand that represents you because um, I like, I, I think it's really tempting to kind of look at your market and try to decide who you want to be and then craft your brand 
to fit that. Um, but if you stray too far from what's natural and what you've been doing for years and, and what you are best in the world at, then you're not going to be the best at executing that vision, and executing that brand. But um, picking something that like really resonates with you, you have such a superpower in that like you know what excites you. You come into work excited. It doesn't feel like work, so you can work unlimited hours and just really pour your heart into it. Um, and with that niche, you can really be the best in the world. I don't think I don't think it's really possible to get to the level of best in the world unless you're doing something that really represents you um, and that you believe in more than anybody else. We get so inundated with messaging. If you can't if you if you can't have a name that sort of you know it makes you pause and and uh, and your ears prick, that and it's a it's going to be a battle, especially for a consumer brand. Well, I think what we didn't do from the beginning, and I think if we would start all over, I would put much more focus on bringing one identity together. I think we very much, we did like our, um, and, and what we didn't do is bring it all the way 360 degrees. I think we made a website and then we made a label and then we had a leaflet. I think everything was like not one entity and i think we should have defined everything in one entity sooner that or going from like if we go to a trade show or ex exhibition stand it has the same look and feel as our social media to our type of like our text uh, on the website to the labels to the fonts to the leaflets i think our whole branding it took us quite a long it was like very step by step that we brought everything together um i think that could have probably been much quicker I just fell in love with this show yet again. And how humbling that I was able to talk with these tremendous individuals. It teaches us that most people want to help, most want to share, and all it takes is to ask them. What an amazing array of investors and entrepreneurs from all kinds of backgrounds with the shared goal of building a brand that matters and that is sustainable. And at some point in this journey, a few episodes ago, I began to turn this idea of community into a reality and created a Hitting the Mark Patreon page. Without high expectations, simply the idea that I do not want to disrupt the podcast with advertising and instead see if it could turn community-enabled by offering some of my time to the group on a monthly group call. I share entrepreneurial advice and other pearls of wisdom with creatives that want to follow into my footsteps or need to grow their creative business or other venture or change their own brand messaging. And on the last call, there was not one nation that was represented twice. Seeing these smiles of people that love the show and appreciate my insights while getting to know each other from all over the world, some dialing in well after midnight their time, added a new layer of beauty to the show, for which I am very grateful. Truth be told, as is the case on this podcast, you would hope all the time, I added up the hours it takes to bring this podcast to you every two weeks, and the support is currently covering only 4% of the labor of love. So I do invite you to join us on patreon.com slash hitting the mark to become a supporter and to meet this community and myself on monthly calls where we can see each other face to face and exchange our entrepreneurial and brand stories to see personal and business growth. With that being said, I'm looking forward to year two and we'll see you next time when we once again will be hitting the market.